I'm half Japanese, half English. I was a minority within that minority group. There weren't any other Japanese children within my school. It kind of saddens me in a way that I was, wasn't really fully embracing the Japanese side to me. My oh my, the tables have turned, as I was a guest on this person's podcast at the end of 2021. Today we're joined by Maya Welford. Maya is a multi-award winning professional, currently working as a behavioural finance specialist at Barclays. Maya completed her psychology degree at King's College London, and she also holds a master's degree in corporate responsibility and sustainability. She's an advocate for diversity, equity and inclusion, both within the workplace and more broadly in society. Maya is also a coach, podcast host and founder of That's My Name. In this episode, we're going to be discussing a hot topic, the multiracial experience in Britain, all through the lens of Maya's journey. Hey Maya, thanks for joining me on Stories That Connect Us. Hi Nikki, I'm so excited to be speaking with you. Me too. The tables have turned. They sure. have. <laughs> so how have you been keeping warm in these, what I can only class as Baltic London temperatures right now? Oh, it's freezing. Honestly, I haven't been keeping that warm. Um, I've been trying to limit how much I go outside. Um, but yeah, really unexpectedly cold. I was up in Birmingham earlier this week for work and I got out of the train station and I was like, it's so cold. I wasn't prepared for this. But yeah, very, very cold time. So Maya, the conversation today is all about the multiracial experience, or should I say your multiracial experience? Because as I'm sure we're going to get into throughout the conversation, there isn't just one universal picture. So I want us to get into language, terminology, the benefits of embracing all that is you, and we'll get into what that means. Plus, I'd like to look at some of the difficulties you've had along the way, because life is always full of those, and the lessons that you've learned. So let's jump in. And as we often do on this show, go back to the beginning. So yeah, I grew up in East London. um, So specifically spent the first 10 years of my childhood in Bow E3, so proper East Londoner. Um, for anyone familiar with uh, East London or London more more broadly. Um, I went to primary school in this area of East London called Bethnal Green. And again, for anyone who knows Bethnal Green, it is and it, and it was definitely when I was growing up a predominantly Bangladeshi kind of area. So people um, kind of emigrated from Bangladesh and I think specifically from Sillette. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when they when they emigrated kind of over, but they tended to settle in Bethnal Green amongst other areas, but definitely Bethnal Green and other parts of East London are very um, kind of populated by people who originate from Bangladesh. So I therefore went to primary school um, and I myself, I'm, I'm not Bengali, I'm half Japanese, half English. And at the time, you know, and, and I think for, for a lot of people, you know, your childhood is your childhood and your childhood is normal. So I never necessarily kind of found myself during school being like, oh, this is like uh, maybe a different scenario that maybe another child my age or, or yes. say mix or background might kind of experience. Um, so I think why why I think that's kind of important to mention is 
that minority within a minority piece. So if we think about the Bangladeshi community, they are a minority group within UK society or British society. But for me, it was, and, and I look back, look back at it, it's, I was a minority within that minority group because I was, I am half Japanese, half English. And there were other um, kind of children from different culture, cultures and countries, but predominantly Bengali children. So yeah, that's one part of kind of, I guess, the very, very beginning and that upbringing piece. Definitely. I've never heard that phrase, minority within a minority. I mean, looking back now, I mean, as you said, you didn't notice it at the time because it was just the way that things were. So you weren't going to necessarily question it. Mm. But what when you say minority within a minority, what's that like for you? I think back then it was just very, very normal. Um, I don't think I really thought that much of it until, well... I guess when I was made aware of it was I found myself around the age of eight and this links back to kind of one of the reasons why I'm so interested in names is when I was around eight I came home and I was like mum I'm going to use a different name and it was this really really like English name and I I do think that that was as a result of bullying or or name calling or there were a few other English kids and, you know, we, I, I was at school in England. So seeing English people was very, very normal to everyone within my class. But actually there weren't really any, there weren't definitely no other Japanese children within my year, the year above, the year above that. I think the year, three year academic years above me was my sister who uh, is, is also half Japanese, half English. But apart from that, there weren't any other Japanese children within my school that I knew about. Looking back, it, it kind of saddens me in a way that I was, wasn't really fully embracing the Japanese side to me. And I was really trying to lean into that English side. And I guess that comes down to feelings of wanted to, wanting to feel accepted and like I belong. But it's just interesting that that feeling came from not necessarily just being surrounded by English people, but it's the fact that there were no other kind of children who had my mix and definitely no other children who kind of were Japanese. That's perfectly understandable because you were saying that you grew up with a Japanese mum and an English father. So you had yeah. that multicultural lived experience both in and out of the home. What yeah. was, you know, what can you share with me about kind of home life and how the different cultures interplayed for you? I think definitely more English kind of cultural influences growing up by the very fact of where I lived in England, where I live in England, obviously trips to Japan were very, very, are still very, very expensive. So I only got to go out to Japan a few times. So didn't really have, and, and still don't have necessarily very close connections with the Japanese side of my family. So I guess there were a lot of English influences, but, but even so, I think when we think about like culture, I find myself asking, what is British culture and what is English culture? I think it's so nuanced. I kind of see it as my merge of, of these different cultures and these different influences. Like, you know, we'd go to my grandma and my granddad's or on a Sunday and go for like a Sunday roast. But then I, and I feel very fortunate that I had within kind of my, my local area, my mum had met another family who were half Japanese, half English, and the mum was also Japanese. So on weekends, sometimes we'd also meet up with them and it was quite nice to have that shared 
kind of cultural understanding of the blend of these different cultures so you know I speak about food a lot I think food definitely I was I grew up with both kind of English cuisine and, and Japanese cuisine my mum did speak to me in Japan me and my sister in Japanese but I think the older we became the harder it was to kind of maintain that language side of things everything always kind of goes back to belonging as you were saying and often mm. we try and squish and squeeze ourselves into a box to fit in when actually we might find the real beauty is in spreading our wings and in fact I was thinking about a peacock you know Mm. imagine if a peacock never spread its wings to show all of its beauty Mm. you know it's sort of petering along like another bird but actually it's only when it really spreads its wings and you can see all the beautiful colours and as you said all the different mixes and the different influences that make that peacock what it is just Mm. trying to carry on that peacock (laughs) analogy there um but I think that as you said it comes back to feeling like I just want to fit in and Mm. that's maybe why you wanted to change your name to a name that you felt would would fit in more to growing up in in London growing up in the UK I mean you said that your mum introduced you to another family that sort of looked like you which is often an amazing thing because then you can see okay there are other people who have a similar not same but experience are there any sort of Japanese traditions or practices that now you may have sort of looked upon in a different way but now you embrace uh, as an adult yeah so there's definitely a big thing about new year's um and in japan they celebrate kind of the new year's in the, they don't follow like the lunar new year they follow the kind of same the same year as we do kind of in the uk so january the first is really really important for uh kind of within the japanese culture and there are a few kind of small little traditions within that that i've really come to embrace and one of those is there's this kind of square kind of rice it's called mochi and it's a there's a sweet mochi there's a savory mochi and for new year's there's this savory mochi so it's like a a squishy rice kind of rectangle that you can eat um so you put it in the oven you cook it and then you can put some like butter and soy sauce and um some seaweed around Mm. it and, and have that it's delicious um and like even though I don't live with my mum anymore it's something that I'm really, really active. I actively do, you know, it's, it's new year. Um, and I really make sure that I, I make sure to eat that. And I've introduced that to, you know, friends and my boyfriend as kind of sharing of this culture that I really, really appreciate. Okay. Food definitely has a real power of kind of bringing together, bringing yes. people together. And I think it's also a really nice way to learn about different people's cultures and, and yes. kind of traditions as well. It is because often when you share a dish, the person whose culture that is will sort of start then adding in extra traditions or rituals Mm. that are done as part of preparing the food, eating the food, um, discussions that has you learn so much through just sharing a dish or two. So thanks for sharing that. And I think you did touch on something that I was certainly intrigued by, and that's that term Britishness um, Mm. and putting it under the microscope and the fact that it is something that is different to each person because often you'll hear oh this person is British or these are the cultural norms of Britain Mm. but you started to touch on the fact that actually it's not so simple. Just even and then even if we think about just London specifically I think there's so many different kind of 
culture is it's such a by by the very kind of definition I guess of London it is a melting pot of different yeah. cultures and it's so multicultural that I think it's it's very reductionist and simplistic if we kind of reduce uh Brit British culture down to like a few set of kind of things I think I, I guess there are a few things that are maybe stereotypical of Britain that could be like you know drinking English breakfast tea or having like fish and chips um they're just like again that's like coming back to food and and beverages (laughs) or talking about the weather I think is one of those things that I think a lot of people do do in this country or certainly that's been my experience and that's the important thing to sort of earmark is that it's my experience yeah yeah no I I definitely share that experience as well and I I, I'm very guilty of it I'm always talking about I feel like Nikki we were speaking yeah we spoke about the weather um at the beginning of this didn't we so yeah yeah I guess we can say that as probably that could be spanning across yeah all different kind of cultures within Britain exactly so going into that early years environment again in that school in Bethnal Green you've obviously touched on um, minority within minority I do love that phrase um, what was your classroom playground experience like growing up as you say with that Japanese heritage as well as you know the, the English side from from your father I look back at primary school and overall I did really really enjoy it I look back at it with happy memories I definitely do remember you know that the instances where I would experience racism towards that Japanese side but it definitely wasn't, you know, persistent and it definitely wasn't a daily thing. And, and it wasn't, it definitely wasn't as severe as other people's experiences that I've, I've heard them share. So not to like undermine my kind of experiences, but then also I, I've kind of, kind of put them into, into context. And, and I definitely look back at primary school very, very fondly. It was, it was a happy time for me. Um, but then I guess moving on to secondary school Mm. that was quite an interesting experience again when I reflect back because so I went to a school um, which one of the entry criteria well there were two kind of entry criteria and I guess the typical entry criteria for state schools were you know you live in the local area and and the school that is closest to you you get into but for this school that I went to it's still still a state school but one of their entry criterias were um, if you have ties to different cult- countries or cultures, um, you have the opportunity to get into this school. So it was not in my local area, and admittedly, the schools in my local, the state schools in my local area, were really not that good. Um, so my parents kind of made the decision to apply for this other school that they'd heard about, um, which was a bit further away. But I got in because of the the kind of ties to my. Japanese side and those kind of different cultural um, experiences that I'd had Uh, kind of looking back and thinking about school I was then I then went from like a predominantly Bangladeshi um, school primary school in East London to then going to a school which had such a diverse mix of people I mean I feel like the the school had children from I'm not going to say every single different country but most different countries I definitely look back on my formative years and my childhood as something that I'm so grateful for I'm so grateful that I've had these really rich cultural cultural kind of experiences and exposure to all these different cultures growing up I definitely think it's it's helped me to be more empathetic and more understanding and and really helped to build my cultural awareness as well so I do look back um, with a lot of gratitude 
on those kind of experiences. How do you feel? So you mentioned there kind of empathy, understanding, appreciation of different cultures. How do you, how has that experience of growing up, either whether it be in Bethnal Green or in your high school, how did that help with empathy? Could you just say more about that? Now that I'm in the working world, so I'm about five years into my kind of corporate career, and there's a lot of talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's a lot of talk, lot of talk about uh, kind of people from different backgrounds and so on. There's a lot of that kind of those conversations and, and actions around that going on. And I only really realised the I'm going to use the word privilege. I only kind of really realised the privilege that I have had with having these kind of exposures to different countries and cultures growing up because not everyone has had these experiences. Yeah. There are some people within the workplace and I guess also yeah, within wider society that have only kind of mixed with people from their kind of social class and their um, kind of ethnicity or race. And I think I think that's just a bit of a sad thing because... And I do definitely think it's helped to shape me just understanding people a bit more and and really realising that not everyone is like me and not everyone has the same traditions as me. And sometimes people are scared of difference. And I think this is the real issue within our country and Mm -hmm. a lot of other countries like the US. People are really, really afraid and genuinely fearful of, of people who are different to them. And I think one of the main reasons for that is because they've never had the opportunity or never necessarily had made the effort to sit down and have a conversation or spend some time with someone who is different to them. And that can be different in any sense of the word. That can be sexual orientation, that can be social class, that can be race, ethnicity, whatever it might be. Even age, even different age group. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And people are afraid of of that difference. And I definitely think that I've been able to kind of develop those empathy skills by just being exposed to so many different people from so many different walks of life. That's definitely a superpower that's worth having in the the workplace, because we will come across different people who, who view the same thing in a completely different way. And yeah. if you've been used to being an, in a learning environment at school where people will come at the same problem differently, it yeah. means that you've kind of had some practice and a bit of a head start with kind of getting your head around the fact that somebody may see the same thing differently. And it's not necessarily always that one is right and one is, yeah. is wrong. And also realising that these differences can very much exist together in harmony, you know, we don't all have to be the same and we should definitely not all be the same. Um, so I think it's realising that there's such beauty and in, in difference and in, in within different people. Mm-hmm. Something that you said there that I want to go back to is you said that some people haven't had the opportunity to be exposed or they have made the effort. And I heard that second bit there because I, I guess you can't control the town, the city, mm. the part of the country that you're that you're born in, like that is just where you're born. Yeah. You know, you're not going to say to your mother at four year, mother and father at four years old, <laughs> that I want to move, to, you know, to somewhere else. Yeah. But what did you mean by haven't made the effort? Yeah. So I think definitely agree with you. Um, you know, your circumstances of your birth are out of your control. However, as an adult, 
you definitely or as adults we definitely have the opportunity to be curious about different kind of backgrounds and also we we absolutely have the power to educate ourselves about different people we've got the internet I mean it's so easy for me to kind of do some research okay maybe I don't know much about I don't know let's say a particular actually I was doing some research this morning into Icelandic surnames I don't know anyone from Iceland but actually I can use the internet to learn more about their cultural naming traditions and and how people get their surnames and it's so easy so it's it's we 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 can make this effort and we should in my view be making this effort to learn a bit more and educate ourselves a bit more and then also within the workplace similarly we might not necessarily be working in somewhere like London or a cosmopolitan city where there are we do have exposure to these different kind of cultures or people from different backgrounds and walks of lives um so I think that's where kind of the internet and and research part comes in but if we are privileged to have the kind of um the the opportunities or, or we are working within an organization which is pushing towards more diverse equitable and inclusive workplaces and there are people from different backgrounds I think we absolutely should take it upon ourselves to get to know different people a bit better and to learn a bit more about kind of their backgrounds and so on. There could be people working right around us who we walk past every day uh, when we're in the office because I know a lot of people are working from home now but when we are in the office you know those people that we walk past and see and have never actually stood and had a conversation with that's something yeah. that could that could easily be done just for a few moments uh in between meetings and things like that so that's a really good thing that for people who are interested and want to learn about different cultures whether it's Icelandic naming traditions <laughs> or whether it's just a different way of life that people have I, I think that there is that ability to, to do that in one way or another yeah definitely and I think what's also really important to build on that is being open-minded and being open and willing to learn and there's this thing in there's like a bias or a behavioral tendency in psychology and as you'll know I my one of my degrees is in psychology so very very interested in kind of cognitive and behavioral biases and one of them is the similarity bias and this is where we're really really attracted to or gravitate towards people who are similar to us and I'd really encourage people to challenge that and realize okay this is a bias that you know a lot of us are prone to let me be aware of that let me challenge that let me step out of my comfort zone thank you for sharing that bit about that bias uh, I did my degree in psychology as well so I'm really really intrigued by the fact that we do have these biases we can't get rid of them but it's the awareness piece that mm -hmm. is going to help us move beyond them and and you know continually grow so I'd like to finish off our conversation by digging into two themes the first one is a term that some will be familiar with and some might not but white passing um, I'd really like you to share your understanding of that term and then your experience of that yeah, so it's only a term that I came to kind of learn about over the past few years. And the way I think about it is if you're white passing, you may not be kind of racially white. For example, you might not be 100% English. However, you pass as white. So you, you people looking at you might not necessarily think, oh, you're from a different kind of 
country or or different kind of background you look white and therefore you kind of pass off as being white Mm. and what this links to is white privilege so when I and I'll use myself as, as an example as I mentioned I'm half Japanese half English so I'm mixed race and but if if you look at me walking down the street or you look at my photo your first and, and, and many people's first um, assumption is, oh, you're, you're a white woman. I think it's important for me to be aware of that because of the privilege, because of white privilege, essentially. So even though I'm mixed race and obviously there are that, you know, there are barriers that come with and barriers that I've experienced with being mixed race. However, I also think it's important for me to acknowledge my white privilege due to the fact that I, I look white. I've heard the term being used before and I really appreciate you sharing it from your own experience. And as you said, you are mixed race, but that is, that's another one of those terms that is, mm. it's not homogenous. So some people might think of, have a certain picture in their mind when they hear the term multiracial or biracial or mixed race, but yeah. actually they, they may not think about somebody who's got a Japanese mother and an English father. And I can only really speak about the UK and I guess my own my own experiences. But I, I definitely think that when we hear the term mixed race, we think half black, half white. And yeah. it's kind of mixed race is, it is kind of in a, in a way has been used synonymously to being half black, half white. But it, it, it's really, really important in my view to to realise that it's so much broader than that. And yes, that is one kind of example of of being mixed race or or a mix but there are there are so many other kind of identities within that and and kind of you know so many different kind of combinations of people who are who are mixed race that's very true and i think something that makes me think about is is it depends on also not only the the cultural makeup that makes you multiracial for instance but also the the part of the family that perhaps you you lean into more the, the mm. part of the family that you grow up with more so had you grown up with you know living with your japanese grand grandmother and grandfather and went to a school that was predominantly japanese yeah then your experience of being multiracial would would be different to the fact oh, that absolutely. you grew up in uh, east london and went to a school in bethnal green yes a hundred percent a hundred percent so like when I speak about my own experiences of kind of you know being half Japanese half English definitely I can't represent every any other kind of half Japanese half English mm. individual because there are because I can only speak on behalf of my own experiences and yes half Japanese half English side comes into that but also they're all the other lived experiences that I have which have informed my experiences. I think that leans even more into the fact that we should be curious and get to know people and not make an mm. assumption and say well I've met somebody who's got this makeup about them or has lived in this part of town yeah. therefore yeah. I know them well no you might not <laughs> yeah so, get, so getting to know them and sitting down and asking questions from a place of curiosity and from a place of genuine wanting to learn rather than I guess there's another side to like how do we have these conversations Maya in a in a sensitive and not in a in a a way that could be perceived negatively like how 
what's your advice there I'm I'm really sometimes wary about you know initiatives within the workplace feeling a bit like a novelty or like a gimmick or sometimes it evokes this vision of like oh like let's put this person on a pedestal or it's like oh we're we're going to kind of watch this person as like uh, within uh, like a circus or something it's like I think we need to be very very careful and, and workplaces need to be very very intentional and careful with how they're speaking around yes engage with with different people and embrace kind of um different people from different backgrounds but to answer your question how can people um kind of do this in the right way I definitely say you know your intentions need to be genuine and your intentions need to be in the right place so if you're doing it just as a tick box exercise I would honestly say don't like please consider whether you're going to do that or not because you need to be doing this for the kind of right reasons a genuine want to get to know that other person rather than you're just going to have a, a superficial conversation with them just to tick a box or just to kind of virtual signal, virtue signal to, to society or someone else that you've had a conversation with someone from a different background. So I think the intention behind it is really, really important. So I, I think also it's, it's really important that we're not putting all this extra burden on people from marginalised backgrounds and remembering, okay, there are other ways that I can educate myself and get to know kind of, you know, people's different kind of backgrounds for example listening to this podcast and for example I'm going to plug you know my podcast as well that's my name there are other ways that you can educate yourself and there's a lot of material online so I think the one one part is educate yourself be curious kind of look online make sure the resources that you're kind of looking at are reputable again challenge your challenge your views and challenge any biases that you may have but secondly definitely approach people with genuine curiosity and and genuine open-mindedness and a want and willing to learn and for your views to perhaps be challenged a bit exactly I think going in with that understanding that the way that you went in may not be and maybe shouldn't be Mm. the way that you come out even if you don't end up necessarily taking on that person's views you've just understood another way of looking at the world yeah um, so I really appreciate you sharing that. And I, I definitely enjoyed digging into those two themes. So Maya, I'm so pleased that you were able to come on the show, share your story. And, and as I said at the beginning, it's your story, your multiracial experience of growing up in Britain. And this is not a summary of what it's like for everyone. And, and as you've said, you've urged and encouraged us all to to get curious and get to know people that are different in many which ways from us. So where else can people connect with you? What are you up to? Final words. Yeah, well, firstly, Nikki, thank you so much for having me on. I've, I've loved having this conversation. It's, it's all topics that I'm very interested in. So thank you for providing me with the space to really reflect and take some time out of my day to, to think about and discuss these important topics. And in terms of how people can connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn. So that's Maya Welford. Um, if people want to follow my podcast there's also a page on LinkedIn called that's my name or I'm also on Instagram at that's my name underscore pod Um, outside of my work uh, and my podcast I do engage in coaching and so if anyone is interested in in coaching um, please do reach out in addition um, I also engage in public speaking around career development and diversity, equity, inclusion. Again, reach out. Probably the best way to find out about that is through my website, myawelford.com. Love that. All of that will be listed in the show notes for people who want to 
who don't have a pen and paper handy and <laughs> want to want to reach out. So all that's left for me to say is thank you so much, Maya, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much. What a truly wonderful conversation with Maya. I thoroughly enjoyed learning about what it was like for her growing up in a multicultural city such as London, with her heritage from Japan and England, as well as living in this melting pot that is London. And it was clear to me that Maya's heritage influences a part, but not all of her lived experience. There's one actionable takeaway from today, and that's to get genuinely curious about the people around you, those who have a different experience or background, whether that's age, gender, race, socioeconomic, political, the list goes on. Thanks for listening. I've got one simple ask for you, my lovely listeners. Please share this episode with one person in your network or friend group. See you in a fortnight for the next episode.